This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hey, this is Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. I'm Herb White. And this is Cameron Williams. Back again. Yeah, yeah, back in the cut, hanging out another Friday. It's Friday, January 12, 2024. And let's just dive on into it because there's plenty happening in Charlotte in terms of sports. And Always. I, yeah. So where do we start? I guess we, let's start with the Panthers because that's the one thing that everybody can agree on is always good for business. It's always big news. And, of course, now that the season is over, the hammer has dropped on another poor, unfortunate soul in Scott Fitterer, who is now the former general manager. And uh, he's out of a job. But David Tepper is adding something new to his plate. He has a coach to find and now a general manager. He does. Um, I think this is going to be a situation where you just have to hope for the best because... Hope isn't uh, much of a plan, Cameron. Well, <laughs> uh, Tepper hadn't had the best success in, um, in his endeavors really across both FC and... The Panthers, but especially with the Panthers. It's Lots of swings here. and misses. Uh, yeah, he's, he's batting very, very low batting average, to say the least. Um, I think in the head coaching search, I think with across the NFL, with now Bill Belichick parting ways with the Patriots, with Pete Carroll parting ways with uh, the Seahawks, and uh, Verbal parting ways with the Titans, I think it could be – an interesting situation. I mean, how, how much are they willing to pay a coach, and would either of those three fit the mold that Temper and you know st- his staff are looking to fill? Those are all good questions, and I would argue none of them fit because Tepper in the past has expressed his love of analytics, <laughs> and that leads him, at least in the past, to thinking offense. Those three dudes are all defensive-minded coaches. The other thing that they all, well, at least two of the, uh, of the three have going against them is their age. Now, I'm not necessarily one to throw ageism out there because anytime you use an ism, it can backfire on you. Yeah. But they are more experienced than anybody else who's out there in that younger crowd of those 30 and 40-sums. And... Yeah, you have a whole bunch of wins with those guys, but is that also the right fit? And we already know that Tepper is not necessarily looking for leaders of men. (laughs) He's looking to satisfy the analytics. And so that means maybe more an X's and O's kind of person as opposed to a leader of men. And I think that's why he won't be competing in the home run derby anytime soon. <laughs> Good thing he brought his glove. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah, I mean, when you talk about age, yeah, Carroll and Belichick are on, they're on the other side of their career. But what, I mean, are you looking for something that's going mean, to, I guess, what are the goals of the Panthers? That's my biggest question because I think both of those guys, Belichick and Carroll, have a lot to offer. I think, yes, they're not super offensive-minded, but they've got a good track record. Yeah, but you have to have a quarterback to make it work, ultimately, in today's NFL. I think Bryce is fine, and I've said this a lot. Get the offensive line right. Anybody behind that line, it don't matter if it was Tom Brady, 
he'd get crushed. That line, no disrespect to any of them, but it just wasn't working. Right, and part of that may also be the scheme that they were put into this past year where Frank Wright wanted to spread it around, but that was also the offensive line that returned from Matt Rule slash Steve Wilkes who got them pointed in the right direction by saying, we're going to go downhill, we're going to run, and we're going to play action out of that. They had a lot of success going forward. Pass protecting wasn't necessarily this group's forte, and it showed. Yeah, and, I mean, you talk about Steve Wilkes, another defensive-minded guy. Oh, he ain't coming here. But the thing (laughs) is, he had him going the right track. I know on the short list of candidates, you got um, Dan Quinn with the Cowboys, their defensive coordinator, who I think he, you know, went to a Super Bowl with Atlanta, did have the 28-3 collapse against Belichick and the Patriots, but he has – a proven track record of being a decent head coach and even a better coordinator. And I think that's one thing Tepper really needs to evaluate when he's interviewing these coordinators from X, Y, and Z. Not every good coordinator is a good head coach. True. I mean, you look back when um, the Cowboys, for example, got rid of Jason Garrett. They were like, why don't Kellen Moore become the head coach? And I'm like, "Mm -mm." (laughs) mm-mm. And then he goes to... Um, L.A. as the offensive coordinator there after he left Dallas, and it just ain't working. Yeah. So I don't think all good coordinators can be good head coaches. They can thrive in their in their niche, but you, you gotta you gotta find a leader of men. And if Tepper's not looking for that, forget it. Yeah, well, I like to always recall the line from the legendary Clint Eastwood in the Enforcers. A man needs to know his limitations. Some of these guys are just that. They are not head coach material. And when you have a mercurial owner who doesn't have a whole lot of patience, (laughs) you're going to have to hit the ground running. And you're going to have to be at top speed, lickety split. And I think that's, that's just part of the reality that anybody who takes that job in Carolina is going to have to face. Plus... You're now going to be paired with a uh, general manager who you may or may not know, and you have to row in the same direction. And that was part of, I think, the disconnect with this team. Uh, Matt Rule was pretty much in charge of personnel decisions, even though he wasn't the general manager. Uh, Wright comes in. Same thing in terms of, you know, who is the GM here? Is it Scott Fitterer just the, you know, the the stand-in, the public face as the GM? Or is the actual head coach pulling the strings? And I think what Tepper has to do is clearly mark the lines of responsibility. Who's responsible for what? And if the head coach is going to be responsible for putting together the roster – but you don't really need a GM. You probably need somebody who's more like football operations kind of role. So there's a lot going on there. And for a franchise that hasn't been to the playoffs in seven seasons, you wonder if there's anybody in the building who actually has enough on the ball or at least that experience to say, well, this is how we move forward. And can you get that across to the owner? Well, and then my biggest thing, and I've said it countless times even on this podcast, 
Tepper's got his hands in the mix too much. You, you talked about, well, who's pulling the strings? He, he's the puppet master. He's pulling the strings every every direction. I mean, he's he's the GM. He's the head coach. He, he wants to help play all these roles. No, dude, you're the owner. Sign the checks. So, well, sign the checks. <laughs> yes, you have a say because obviously you are the owner, but these guys that you're hiring, what are you hiring them for if you're just going to do their job for them? Yeah. Uh, if if you're going to call all the shots, you know, he should just hire us. Yeah. <laughs> we can stand by and you run it in the ground and, you know, you never have to hear from us because, well. We can draw a paycheck. He's sitting pretty. Absolutely. You know, getting on that, getting on that dole and no responsibility, massive paycheck. Yeah. Man, that's good living. Yeah, that sounds, sounds good to me. <laughs> so, well, enough of the Panthers, because there's going to be plenty more to talk about them. Let's move over to Charlotte's other professional, well, the big two sports. Let's put it that way. Uh, no re- no disrespect to Charlotte FC. But, or the Knights, but they're professional. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> but the uh, Charlotte Hornets brought media together this week to uh, talk about the upgrades that are coming to Spectrum Center, $275 million worth. And it's going to be spread over the next couple of summers. Uh, and the way the Hornets are going, it's not like you're going to interfere with the playoff push hmm. because they are like one of the worst teams in the NBA. So at $275 million, there's going to be massive upgrades. I've seen the, uh, the artist renderings. It looks really swank. And it should be something that will uh, greatly improve the fan experience. Of course, now it's not going to come cheap at $275 million, yeah. and somebody's going to have to pay for that experience once it's put in because, well, frankly, folks have to make a living at that level. Uh, what do you think? Um, I guess the other side of it is this is part of the agreement with the city. Yeah. to keep the Hornets uh, in Charlotte through 2045. Yeah. I think, well, it's going to take a while. Um, it's going to be over the next, you said, two years. So, um, I, you know, it's it's an anticipation thing from the fans' perspective. I mean, obviously, you know, you want to see, you know, if you're a big fan of the team, you want to have the best facilities and all that stuff. And I was just at the, uh, the Hornets and Bulls game uh, Monday. You know, it's not a run-down facility by no means, but... You know, it could it could stand some upgrades by NBA standards. Yeah, by NBA standards. Looking at looking across the entire league and seeing some of their stadiums, yeah, it could it could uh, see some improvement, which is nice. Um, but you know, like you said, somebody's got to pay for it. It's going to come out of tax dollars, so we're going to be paying for it. <laughs> there is that, and then of course, if you actually go to the games after all these improvements are made, you got to pay for that too because this and is the really nice stuff. Already astronomical. <laughs> Oh, how about a bucket of popcorn? $14. Oh, okay. Yeah, and when you look, but right now, Hornets tickets are fairly cheap when it comes to an yeah. NBA standard. Yeah. And some might argue, well, that's appropriate because it's not a very good product on the floor right now either. Yeah, I had lower level seats for uh, $40 a ticket, so. 
There you go. Lower level seats at the Lakers, you're going to be over two, three hundred dollars. Oh, well, that might be one of the few games where it, they'll pack it out yeah, because yeah. of the Lakers' star power. Uh, when you look at this, though, you're talking about uh, changes to an arena, and Spectrum Center has had upgrades over the years. Uh, I know there were. Uh, changes that were put in uh, in 2011, 2012, in time for the Democratic National Convention and things like that. Uh, All-Star game. Uh, but fairly minor cosmetic changes. This changes the whole thing around from from the seating. It's going to add 2,500 more seats in that lower level, which are good seats these days. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to upscale everything and again it's going to be premium stuff and premium stuff is going to cost somebody something but even if you put all these new things in you know you have to keep in mind that arena is used for more than basketball that's not my next point you know when you're thinking about the grand scheme of things concerts and just other events that are hosted at the spectrum center is going to improve those events as well not just the basketball aspect so um I guess the big question is, is it going to be worth it? And only time will tell. Well, and the, but the bottom line is, because it is used for multiple events, if you make it more attractive to bring in those events, that type of thing, that adds to the bottom line. It makes Charlotte more desirable in terms of big-name concerts or whatever. Uh, who's to say another political convention isn't in the future if those upgrades are made? So there is that, and uh, you know who doesn't who doesn't like to go to a nice place to watch basketball, even if it's the Hornets. <laughs> hey, I mean that, that Hornets Bulls game. Not to say the Bulls are anything special, but it was a good game. I mean Rozier, forty something points. Yeah, he did he did his thing. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Again, it starts in May, and they'll basically shut down the place for the summer to. Put in these amenities, and they'll do the same next year. And by the time 2025 rolls around for the tip-off of the season, everything will be hunky-dory, ready to roll. So exciting times over at Spectrum Center. Uh, You want to talk about some basketball of a different sort. Absolutely. You know, the Charlotte 49ers men's and women's teams right now, (laughs) they're they're really playing well. I mean, you talk about the men's side. I can't believe you're saying this. I, well, I mean, they're, they're playing good. I mean, I'm, I'm going to give credit where it's due. You know, they early in the non-conference, and you know, I talked to Kara Consuegra, the women's coach, about this um, before the season started. They challenge themselves with tough teams like NC State, um, West Virginia, and teams like that that are going to make them better for conference play. And then you see them beat uh, South Florida, who was the preseason um, American Conference pick to win the conference. So, and, I mean, they're, they're actually in first place. Everyone else below them has at least one loss in the conference. Charlotte's 4-0 on the women's side. And you go to the men's side, who just knocked off ranked um, FAU last week, beat Tulsa um, just a few nights ago. Had a little kerfuffle there, too. A little bit. A little, uh, little tempers flaring at the end. And, you know, feeling feisty these days. Um, and so and you, they've got well, one loss in the conference. Um, I think there's only – one or two above them. Memphis is leading the conference. That you know they're undefeated, but you know they you know, they've got a shot to still win the conference. And I think just the grand scheme of things, two months ago you would have said, oh, you know they're gonna be kind of middle of the pack, both 
men's and women's squads, and now they're like, haha, look at us. <laughs> so what's going on over there in terms of how they've gotten to this point? Now, granted, there's a lot of basketball left to be played, sure. but you have to be doing something right to be in position to make a run. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's, uh, it's good chemistry. I mean, I think when you have, in the age of the transfer portal, where you bring in so many different players, and, you know, both men's and women's teams can say this, they brought in transfers, and it takes a while for that to gel. And once it does, you know, when a good, talented team gels together, usually leads to success. And I think that's what you're seeing with both uh, the men's and women's side. Uh, led by both their guards, I think Lakai Patterson's definitely stepped up on the men's side and been a good leader. And Deja Lawrence on the women's side, um, great leader, junior uh, point guard for the Niners. Well, combo guard, technically. And it's just working. I mean, that's really all it can be said. I mean, it's working right now. Can they continue their consistency on through January into February when the kind of the dog days of the season are, you know, upon them? And on into March when you got the conference tournament and possibly even an NCAA bid if they win their conference. And you've got the, when you talk about those dog days, for a lot of programs, this is also when reality sets in, in terms of the best teams, the healthiest teams, Mm -hmm. the teams with the best fundamentals, the best team approach. Those are the groups that have a tendency to separate themselves. Uh, Is this uh, 49ers program, men and women, are they set for the long run? I think they can be. I think uh, the women's side more so. Um, and, you know, not discrediting the men, but I think right now the women are just in a flow. Um, you know, men are coming off two big wins and you know, gaining more chemistry and camaraderie between the team. And that's one thing when I talked with um, Makai Patterson, he talked about really just it was a big thing about learning each other's gameplay and learning where you know said player likes to receive the ball in the post where this guy likes to run and you know just figuring things out um i'm not gonna doubt character swagger she's she's a heck of a coach and i think um i think they could win the american conference and in their first year i really do Um, i think the men i think memphis is a tall task and charlotte does play memphis in february at their place so i think uh where Charlotte will be by the time they play Memphis is going to be key. Um, if they can continue to maintain wins and say they're still in, in the hunt around top two or three in the conference by the time they play Memphis, it could be really interesting. And not to try to get it too far ahead of ourselves, but the American, you talked about Memphis, and obviously there's been some changes where schools that were mainstays in the past like the Houstons and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, they've moved on and you know gone on to different pastures. Not necessarily greener, but you know that's just the way it works sometimes. Is the American a multiple bid conference this year? And if that's the case, does that improve Charlotte's possibilities of oh, making the tournament? It definitely improves our possibilities of making the tournament. I think right now when you look. Just across the conference as a whole, when you talk about Memphis, I think unless they just have a total collapse, they're a, they're a lock. Whether they win the conference or whether they don't, they'll get an at-large. Um, possibly the same for FAU. I mean, Memphis still isn't ranked. or no, they, I could be mistaken on that, but I don't remember seeing them be ranked. But uh, FAU's 24th in the country. 
um, after their loss to Charlotte. So, I mean, there's two teams right there I think that could get automatic bids. And if the 49ers can hang in there, yeah. and of course, if you win your conference tournament, that's an automatic. Yeah. So, interesting time. So, Charlotte's best bet in, in that scenario is to I mean, either win the conference or have Memphis or FAU win the conference. Have one of them get an automatic bid and then select two other teams at large. Yeah. So, there's still a month or so left in the season. Not trying to get ahead of ourselves, yeah. but just trying to use some foresight. Yeah, that, that's that's what we're going to call it today. Um, before we wrap, what are you looking for in the next week or so in terms of local sports or national? What the heck? Throw it all out there. What am I looking for? Mm-hmm. Looking forward to, I mean, it's wild card weekend in the NFL, for instance. Uh, there's still the Panthers and yeah. whatever else. Well, I mean, yeah, you mentioned wild card weekend. I mean, it's um, wild card weekend seems to be where, where Super Bowl contenders are made or broke. I mean, you got teams like, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles who have been on a complete collapse as of late. Can they get things turned around? I mean, they're, they're playing, in my opinion, the worst team in the NFC to make the playoffs. And, I mean, that's no disrespect to the NFC South, but they weren't going <laughs> It <good>. is. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit. But a lot of people, you know, so-called experts are picking the Bucks to, you know, continue and you know, to beat the Eagles because the Eagles are still on their collapse. So that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see um, – your Dallas getting the two seed from a from a home away perspective is crucial because they're you know they're perfect at home. They've had road struggles, so if they can you know beat Green Bay and then they'll have at least one more home game. Um, just depending on who wins um, the Lions and the Rams, Rams game. Yep, that's gonna be good. They might get, uh, Dallas could either get the Eagles or the Buccaneers in the second game if L.A. were to win, go on to face San Francisco. But if Detroit were to win, then that's who Dallas would get in the second round, yada, yada. So, I mean, it's uh, it's it's interesting. And I think on the, the AFC side, I mean, I think the hottest team right now, I mean, it's kind of hard not to say Baltimore, but just looking at Buffalo. I mean, they've, they've had a great second half of their year. Yeah. Um, that might be the group you don't want to play. That would, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm going to flip this question on you. Who, right now, before the playoffs, so we can – so get this on record. Who's your Super Bowl <laughs> matchup? You know, I really couldn't tell you. I, literally, this is a league full of equals, and I know records can be deceiving, and so that's what I'm sticking with. Records are deceiving. Okay. I, you can count on there being at least one upset, so one of those ones is going to fall. <laughs> I think that's just history telling us. Um, I think if one of the ones fall, I think it's going to be – Oh, kind of tough. Possibly Baltimore. I don't know. I, I think San Francisco's got a tougher road just strictly based on the fact they would have to beat either the Rams, the Lions, or the Cowboys. I mean, yeah, you can go back early in the season. They beat several of those teams pretty badly, but it's the playoffs. Yeah, and all kinds of stuff happens. That's and true. you can't really – in the NFL, literally, it's who's hot right now and that hot in the regular season doesn't necessarily translate to the postseason so i i couldn't tell you you know just to be throwing something out there it's like nah i've i've learned the hard way over the years well, here's so you just sit back and relax with the nfl because it's all going to be great football 
here's something to consider, and a lot of people don't think of it this way. Everybody kind of views the bye week as, oh, that's, that's a rest week. Okay. How many times have you seen one seeds get beat in that divisional game because Absolutely. they rested while the other team had a game last week and they're conditioned better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've already you've been warmed up by playing wild card weekend, and so that rest for the team that's getting it could be the rust week. <laughs> it's like, okay, and you've lost something in the transition from regular season to postseason, especially if you've been resting people the last couple of weeks of the regular season. Now you're talking about that bye week or that off week, and that just exacerbates that issue. So, so, so humor this. Philly gets hot again. They finally figure it out. They play like they were a little bit earlier in the year. They take care of Tampa Bay. Detroit holds home field. They beat um, L.A., so then Detroit goes to Dallas. Philly goes to San Francisco. Plays good. San Francisco would win that one. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah. But But I also think that experienced teams have a leg up. So that's where a San Francisco would be dangerous. A Buffalo would be dangerous. Uh, Kansas City would be yeah. dangerous. I mean, no one's talking about Kansas City. Yeah, to... except for the weather. Yeah. And everybody's expecting some some really bad stuff happening in Missouri uh, you know, this weekend. And I think that's going to be a real test, especially for the poor Dolphins. Because, you oh, know, it's yeah. like, okay, you're going to take us out of sunny Florida, drop us into the middle of Missouri during... This kind of weather? There was some wild stat out there that they're like 0 and 5 or 0 and 6 in games where the temperature's under 40 degrees. Well, <laughs> now, data like that can be helpful. <laughs> and it tells us a lot of stuff. It's, yeah. uh, you know, sunshine and you know, nice uh, tropical breeze is great. But you're not going to get that in Kansas City this time of year. But yeah, if I had to, like right now, if I had to go down to like two Kings and place a bet, you know, Kansas City as my kind of like out there sleeper pick. But if they had receivers who would actually catch the ball, it would help. But <laughs> man, Mahomes can do some. Mahomes, he he's the best. He is the best quarterback in the playoffs. I'll stand on that, regardless of the season he's had. Top to bottom, Mahomes is still that guy. But a great receiver is only as good as – I mean, a, a great quarterback is only as good as his receivers. Well, that's true. Uh, they, and, they beat Philly at uh, Valdez Cantley and only uh, dropped the ball that Mahomes placed right in his hand. Or if they – or if a receiver isn't lined up offside. <laughs> so it's like, okay, if they get it together, yeah, Kansas City is going to be there. But – if they continue with what they've done during the regular season, okay, take your chances. We'll just see. We'll see. But my Super Bowl matchup. If best beats best, I think it should be San Francisco and Baltimore. But like you said, not all the time do do the one seeds advance. So my off the beaten path kind of Super Bowl is Dallas and Kansas City. Oh, now that is off the beaten path. You're only saying that because you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. No, I mean, <laughs> who else in the NFC besides Dallas and San Francisco would you say is getting there? I don't think the Lions can do it. Rams. Oh, wow, it's the six. Yeah. Rams. Okay. Because of the coach. And experience. Experience coach. Been there. And, yeah. And he's, you know, 
He has a quarterback who's experienced at these types of things too. And they are playing their best football now, which is where you want to be. They're so inconsistent. Yeah. But all you have to be is good for three more weeks, three more games, and you are there. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, As far as, of course, I'm looking forward to Wild Card Weekend. But I'm also looking forward to Saturday's Johnson C. Smith Winston-Salem State basketball game. One of the best rivalries in the CIAA, and it is part of the uh, conference legacy for those two to get together and play some high-energy, pack-the-gym type of basketball. And if you've never been to Bray Boy Gym, you need to go tomorrow because whenever Smith plays Winston-Salem State or Livingstone, you can't hear yourself think the place is buzzing with so much energy. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And I'd say you kind of wrap this up. I'm, I'm just looking forward to the rest of the college basketball season. You saw last week, you got number one, number three, number five. I mean, so many upsets. And it goes to show going on the road to play in college basketball is hard. Yeah. It, it, it's very hard. And, you know, you, you look at Purdue. Should have beat the brakes off Nebraska. But didn't. Did not. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's just like. It's so fun for me to watch college basketball because there's so much parity in it. The transfer portal has brought that one gift. That's about that's about it. It's yeah. it's spread the talent to all kinds of places, and so I agree wholeheartedly. It's it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun moving forward. And so that's going to do it for this edition of Sports Charlotte. You can catch us on Queen City Podcast Network, Apple Podcast, Spotify. SoundCloud, and on our website, thecharlottepost.com. For Cameron, I'm Herb. Thanks for listening. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. Network.com.